0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning app?
1: That dog does not want to be petted.
0: (laughs) Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
2: Coming up on Money Beat, the healthcare bill passed the house. What happens to it next and what should investors be looking out for? We are going to schoolhouse rock the healthcare bill and also takeaways from Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting.
3: This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser.
2: Welcome to Money Beat, everybody. I'm Paul Vigna.
4: And I'm Stephen Grosser. How are you Stephen Grosser?
2: How I'm was John, your weekend, Grosser. Grosser?
4: It wasn't much of a weekend to be honest with you. you did a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. You did a lot
2: of work, my friend.
4: <laughs> and we, we had the, you know, live blog of Warren Buffett's yes. in, uh, Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting. Yes. Did you always enjoy you I was in. Did you come into the office? You did. Yeah, Eric and I. Yeah. Sitting there doing it. Eric manning does the, the bar- Eric- manning
2: the uh, the barricades.
4: Eric does most of the work, and we'll be talking to him a little bit later. But yeah. he he knows everything there is to know about Berkshire. He does a fabulous job. I'm there, just making trying to make his life a little bit easier. That is for like the seven work. or eight hours he's live blogging.
2: Ufta! Oh, uh, so we're back at it today, everybody. Let's talk today a little bit about healthcare reform. So you know that the House of Representatives passed their health care reform bill, but that bill has a long way to go before it becomes a law. And we're not just talking about the schoolhouse rocks kind of thing that you need to know. This is. Yeah, I brought in a schoolhouse rocks. Uh, you remember those. Don't you kids out there remember all that stuff? Uh long way to go before this bill becomes a law. And it is not just ...about the normal legislative process. To help us talk about that, we have brought in Heard on the Street columnist, Charlie Grant. Hi, guys. Specializes in this sector. Charlie, how you doing? And on the phone, Mark Doms. Did I get it right, Mark? Did I get it wrong? Did I do that wrong? That's Mark Doms. That's Doms. Okay. Mark Doms, senior economist at Nomura Securities. Mark, how are you
0: doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on today.
2: No, we're glad to have you on. And we wanted to have you on because you were writing about this recently... And I guess we want to start with you. I mean, so we, we saw, you know, the Republican members of the House and President Trump outside the White House after the vote last week. A lot of a lot of high fives, a lot of celebrating. Apparently there was beer there that, reportedly. Uh, did they celebrate too early, though?
0: Uh, They probably did. Um, As you said, when you look at the Schoolhouse Rock video um, on how a bill becomes law, you know, there's lots of steps to go. Thank you Um, for knowing that reference. Yeah. Next goes to the um, Senate. And let me, if I could, just tell you a couple of reasons why this is going to be really hard. So first of all, whenever you're doing a major reform, when you're taking entitlements away from somebody and giving some benefits to some other, others. That's just really tough. That just doesn't happen very often in Congress, and it often takes a lot of time. So there's first just the complexity of the issue, which is going to require this to take a lot of time. Second is that the Republican majorities in the Senate is very small. It's only 52 to 48. So they can only lose Two votes now, if you go back to the Affordable Care Act to Obamacare, say back in you know 2010 when it was passed, you know the, the Democrats had about 59 or sixty you know people who were voting for them. They, the Democrats plus a couple of independents. The Republicans only had forty. so the Democrats had much had a much larger majority in the Senate. The Democrats also had a much larger majority in the House because at the end of the day the House is going to have to vote on this thing again. And again, the Democrats had a much bigger majority back in um, 2010, and it only, of the Affordable Care Act only passed the House by a couple votes. So once the Senate gets this, and they're going to completely rewrite this, they're going to—it's going to be really different than what the House gave them. If the Senate can even pass something, then the question is, wow, can the House pass that? You look at how hard it was for the House to get their package through. Right. Will they be able to vote on this package from the Senate? That's going to be much more moderate.
4: And one of the questions I have: Hasn't the Senate already started the process even before this pass of writing their own piece of legislation? um, You know, on healthcare.
0: You know, this is what's kind of surprising. So. Yes and no. The Senate is just as diverse as the House. You have a Freedom Caucus element, for instance. You have Rand Paul and Ted Cruz on the one hand, and then you also have more like a Tuesday morning group in the Senate. You have a Susan Collins or a Rob Portman or a Dean Heller. And so there isn't really a good template that anybody really knows of that's in the Senate that lays out a repeal and replace package. They've been talking about this for a while. And again, you go back to history as just some guide, and in 2010 when this was passed, uh, when the Affordable Care Act was passed, that, was, that culminated a process that had been going on for literally years. The Clinton administration back in the 90s tried to do, you know, kind of a health care reform to get more people into the system. So the Democrats had really been working on this for quite some time. The Republicans haven't been working on this as much. They've been voting to repeal the Affordable Care Act, but they just don't have as much kind of a structure in place where they know they can get agreement across these really diverse groups within their own caucus.
1: Mark, um You know, investors are rightly, you know, skeptical about this bill for the reasons you just laid out. But it seems to me that there is still some room for the narrative to shift a little bit. I mean, some extra surprises might be in store. Um, And one reason for that is the coming, you know, rate insurance rate increase season, which we're just starting to see now. Um, Do you see any risk that, you know, Obamacare, which has become more and more popular as this process has gone on, might start to see – Uh, a waning of popular support. And that might make, you know, a repeal proposition a little of an easier sell for Republicans in the Senate. Yeah. And so what's going to happen
0: is you're going to have more and more states where these individual markets aren't working well, and where you're going to get these really large increases. And so for the Senate, then the question is, are they going to really kind of repeal Obamacare? Are they going to try to fix Obamacare? a challenge with just trying to fix Obamacare so you can get the markets working better so you don't get these insurance increases as high um, as they uh, so you don't have as large of increases as, you know, what's happened and what could possibly happen, you know, getting exactly to your point. Um, would that kind of fixed package, would that be amenable to the people in the House? Would, that, would the House actually agree to that? Um, at the end of the day, the Republicans have huge incentives to do something. So although you, I can talk about all these hurdles that they have to uh, jump through, all this diversity that they have to address, um, at the end of the day, they do have tremendous incentive for the reason you just cited for them to actually pass something.
4: What I mean, what else should be investors be you know sort of paying attention to as this process unfolds? I mean, investors generally dislike uncertainty.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to uncertainty, I think what's really important about the healthcare care package also pertains to fiscal policy, and that 's spending and on taxes as well so after the election in November, you know especially equity markets just you know continued going up, um, you know bond markets reacted, foreign exchange markets reacted and the expectation was is that there would be some major reforms in the health care area, that was a big campaign promise, mm-hmm. and also that there would be expansionary fiscal policy. And it's kind of surprising that here we are in May, well after 100 days into the administration, and that degree of uncertainty, what's going to actually come out at the end of the pipe, is still largely unknown. When it comes to taxes, for instance, I don't think we're in a much different position today than we were back in November in terms of, okay, what's going to be the net increase in tax cuts? Um, just, you know, Is it going to be a half a percent of GDP? Is it going to be $100 billion a year? Is it going to be something more than that? You know, how are they going to raise revenue to help pay for some of this? You know, We really don't have much clarification on that issue. And on healthcare, care, we also don't have much clarification. So from an investor point of view, I would argue that the degree of uncertainty is still incredibly high. And in fact, if you look at the timeline, I think things are being pushed further off into the future. You hear more senators talking, for instance, that tax reform really won't happen until 2018. Yet a senator today talk about that health care reform may not be passed until 2018. So unfortunately, you know, the market's going to have to continue to kind of digest and adapt to this uncertainty. With that said, also, I think the expectations have been somewhat lowered. I think expectations have been lowered about how much extra fiscal stimulus there's gonna be. If you're thinking about, say, infrastructure spending, just how many dollars are gonna be going out the door, I think those expectations have certainly been tempered. When it comes to the size of the tax cuts, too, I think those expectations have been tempered. So you have some tempering of expectations, and also a delay of when we'll actually get clarity as to what's going to actually happen.
1: When do Republicans start to run out of time? Because uh, midterm elections are, believe it or not, only you know, 19, 20 months away. Um, Which sounds
2: like a long time, it, but actually isn't. And then when yeah.
1: the campaign season, yeah, right. right, exactly. So, so I mean, functionally, how long is the legislative window with the current setup in Washington to get something over the finish line?
0: Yeah. So I, I would argue that it is. Twenty you can do things into twenty eighteen. So look at the Affordable Care Act, which wasn't good for Democrats in the in the midterm election. But it shows it had an effect. Obamacare wasn't passed until March of twenty ten. Okay, so that's so um They still have a lot of time to do this. I think what they really want to make sure, though, is when it comes to health care that they don't pass something that's going to just alienate a lot of people. So, for instance, you have 20 Republican senators in states who had Medicaid expansions, right? So this is a very serious issue for them. Um, Kind of same thing with tax reform. Historically, it just shows that these things take time and the senate tends to move slower than the house so as you said there's 19 20 months left so if they can do something then to say the next 12 months they could still be okay because at the end of the day when they're running um especially say next summer they want to have something that they can say hey we passed tax cuts we passed health care reform um you know we did something on infrastructure by next summer that's so that's what i would say
2: we are talking to Mark Dahlms, Senior Economist at Nomura Securities, about the health care bill and really the, the entire uh, Trump legislative agenda. So is, is the kind of takeaway for investors then, you, you know, you're going to have to be more patient than you thought you were going to have to be, but
0: you should be patient? Yeah, I think that's the main takeaway here. And I think that's the realization that people are coming to in Washington. And in part, that's because doing the things they're trying to do are more complicated. So for instance, if you go back to the Bush tax cuts, the first one, those were passed in June, um, several months after he took office. And that was relatively easy because you were just cutting taxes. You weren't really changing the tax code that much. Um, And he had majorities that he could work with to to get that through. And same thing like in 2003. Those were relatively simple packages. Healthcare reform is really hard because you're really wading into these huge battles about who pays for health care. Is it the states? Is it the federal government? Is it the individual? Is it the sick? Is it the healthy? Is it the rich or the poor? Is it the old and the young? And then on top of that, on who pays for all of this, which is just a huge debate, is how do you make these markets actually work better? And Mm -hmm. so there's just a lot of complicated stuff in there that's going to take some time to go through. Same thing with tax reform. I mean they're talking about cutting taxes, but they're also talking about reforming the tax system. If they were going to say, "Hey, we're just going to lower the corporate tax rate from 35% to 25% and we're not going to do really anything else with the tax code." That would be easy. They could get that done by this summer. But that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about really changing the way the tax structure is set up. And so as soon as you talk about reform, you're talking about time.
1: But but how hard is it to just shift gears into tax cuts instead of reform? It seems that they could, you know, just scale back their ambitions if they need to and get something done relatively quickly in that case.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. That's actually what we expect is going to happen. So what we expect is going to happen is that by in the fall sometime, that's a decision they're going to make. And what they can say is, hey, we're going to cut taxes now so we can get it done to get to your previous question about the midterm election so they can actually have a win under their belts. And they'll say, we'll keep on working on reform. And that's what happened in the Reagan administration. So when Reagan came in, he passed some tax cuts right in 1981, um, got those passed you know by the summer of, of, of his first year, and then reform took many years later. Reform didn't happen to actually 1986, mm-hmm. just because reform is really hard. So what we're expecting is some limited tax cuts, probably about a 100 billion dollars a year. Um, and they'll actually pass those probably late this year, maybe early next year. And then reform will be an ongoing process. I have a quick just question
4: actually for Charlie. You wrote one of your columns was, you know, Wall Street trying to ignore this overhaul. What are some of the things
1: that you think investors should look out for as this process goes forward? Well, I mean, just to gauge the likelihood of this passing, there are some stocks that you can watch that, you know, Gives you some information. Um, There's some, you know, Medicaid-specific uh, insurance companies, some hospital stocks that undoubtedly will be greatly affected if any of these Medicaid rollbacks happen. You know, um, the, the, those sectors. You know, it, it's not. It's basically impossible to predict how what will be in the health exactly. law or what not. But you can use those stock moves as information to, you know, try and figure out what the market's pricing in.
2: All right, listen. We have been talking with. Mark Dahlms, senior economist at Nomura Securities, and our friend Charlie Grant, heard on the street, columnist. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking some time this morning.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Mark.
2: We'll talk to you soon. And everyone else, stay tuned, because we're coming
0: back. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app?
1: That dog does not want to be
0: petted. <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihabprediabetes.org Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
3: Enjoy our podcasts? Then listen in your car before you start down the road. Just sync your smartphone using Bluetooth or plug into the USB port. Got Apple CarPlay? Just tap on the podcast app and search for WSJ. So the next time you're getting behind the wheel, take us along and enjoy the ride. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Now back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Money Beat. We have reset the table. Uh, myself and Grocer are still here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. I've gone nowhere. You're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. I can't let you go. Uh, We have been, we've lost Charlie and Mark, and we are now joined by Moneybeat editor Eric Holm. Hello.
5: How are you, Eric? I'm good. Thank you. How are you feeling, Eric? Oh, man. My fingers are tired. My back is sore. So my, my brain—I missed a loop on my belt this morning, mm. and I went to fix it, and I realized I'd missed two. I'm—I'm I'm just a mess right now. So, so Eric Holm
2: uh, came in this weekend, was among the team covering Berkshire Hathaway's as was grosser meeting, as was grosser. Well, we talked about that already. Right. So you were here, and uh, the. Today, now we're, this is Monday. You know, you're editing. Are you editing the, the Sown Conference? Grocer and I are both blog? stuck yeah, with you guys that one are both too. On yeah. That one too. So enjoying that one. We're taking a few minutes away from the Irisone Conference. Oh, well, that blog. hasn't
4: kicked off just yet. Well, well by the time this time gets time of out, recording. right,
2: right, right. Uh, talk about Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. Five takeaways. Of the meeting this weekend, and the one I want to know about first, I'm jumping right ahead. No, okay,
4: actually, I, I got to cut you off. The one I want to oh, know about I ca- first I got cut is off? the poll that Eric did on Twitter. Right, over the, the most weekend. important thing
5: because, six takeaways. Let's <laughs> yeah, call it.
4: Yeah, because I, I was complaining. I am
5: so sick of the phrase <laughs> Woodstock yes, for capitalists. Thank you. Yeah. The, which is, I have to admit, it's a great turn of phrase to mm-hmm. describe the fervor that some people feel. The, the pilgrimage aspect yeah. of this thing, people come from all over the world. There were 40,000 people there. It, it's called Woodstock for Capitalists, this Berkshire annual meeting that we cover every year. But I've been doing it so, for a decade, and I'm sick of writing the phrase Woodstock for Capitalists. Yeah. I ran a well, poll. And, you know, Woodstock happened
2: once, by the way, incidentally. No, no. Well, they've done follow-up they've, Woodstock. They've, they've tried it to doesn't milk. happen every year. <laughs> yeah, That's but they have, they have tried and, to milk that one. And let's not kid ourselves. Woodstock was Woodstock. There was one Woodstock.
5: Well, this is Woodstock for capitalists.
2: I was there. I No, I wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, can it's something you do every single year, can it really be Woodstock for anything? In this any case, I ran a poll else? on yes. Twitter uh, to come they, up with
5: a new they, name. And first of all, Twitter has a character um, limit on your your poll entry. So I couldn't do Burning Man for Buffetologists. It did not fit into the... I like that. I do like that. Thank you. I might have voted on that one. Yeah. So instead, I went with uh, Cherry Cola. Yeah.
4: Um, My pick.
5: Yeah. uh, That was from Liz Hoffman uh, in our newsroom. I I, I voted for that one. Yeah. Um, Investapalooza. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. South by Stock Pickers. That that got the least amount of votes. Yeah. I think I voted for that one. Yeah. And uh, Fire Festival of Finance. So if you're up Very on the news, topical. you you know that there was yeah. a failed music festival. Yeah, you don't like a want to do fire.
2: Ago. You don't want to do fire, fire festival. Of of fire festival so bad. Yeah. Uh, so, what yeah. Uh, so what one?
5: Cherry Coachella. Yeah. that was really lead.
2: Cherry Coachella. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So that's okay. so now,
5: from now on, no more Woodstock for capitalists. So is that now? Cherry is that Coca-Cella. now Wall Street
2: Journal style? Uh, I'll, that be, I'll style? be talking to our
5: style mavens and pushing for that. Yeah. Very much though. So. I'm, okay. I'm going to be leaning on that.
2: Uh, let's get to some of the other takeaways. And some actual news. Some actual news. And, and the first one I'm very interested in, Eric, is uh, Warren Buffett had some interesting things to say about tech and the tech sector. That's right. I and want to he, hear about that. You
5: know what? I, I, and the reason – he he fielded a lot of questions on this. But even when he wasn't asked about it directly, he brought up his his admiration for some of the big tech companies. And – uh, Berkshire bought a huge stake in Apple and also he admitted that, that he messed up in buying a, a stake in IBM several years ago um, which at the time people were, were thinking what's this guy thinking and and actually a few value investors never really were able to wrap their heads around that so he says he messed up on IBM but he really was effusive about Apple and, um, and Amazon and said that they feel like they missed the boat on both Amazon and, and Google or Alphabet now um, and uh, sort of gushed about um, the ability of these companies to be capital light. In fact, that was the question that where he really got effusive on all of them, where he, someone asked, why doesn't Berkshire invest in capital light businesses anymore? Instead, you invest in very capital-intensive businesses. He said, you know, it's very hard to find a capital light business. And then he transitioned into But how great are these companies, in his mm-hmm. view, that they require – Next to no capital, and of course right. they do require a lot of capital, but not the same way that a utility does or or a railroad, railroad, right, right, right. And and he 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 went off on on that, but he also said, listen, he didn't have any new special insight into Apple that that you know he's a famed stock picker. He doesn't he doesn't see something that the rest of the world doesn't see. There, obviously, it's a yeah. very popular stock. Um, did he, did and, and he, and he, he views he also, it more as a consumer company Exactly. That's tech what I was going to just say. Did he talk about Bitcoin?
2: Has he changed his mind on Bitcoin yet? Not no. yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but
4: he talked. To, he was very effusive of both what Jeff Bezos has done at Amazon right. but, and also at The Washington Post. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, which Warren Buffett was a longtime shareholder of The uh, Washington Post.
5: That's right. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't own it anymore, but he obviously yeah. still follows it and owns other newspapers and was saying that – what Bezos has done is admirable, in that he's done as about as best as you could do, right? Grocer was that sort of the way yeah. he phrased it, it with, with any newspaper in this day and age.
4: And the interesting thing, too, and also I, I, I found this funny, was just him talking about with Google the fact that they are, you know, his companies, you know, Berkshire subsidiaries were using, you know, Google, were paying money to Google, Google to place they, ads and things,
5: and they still missed the boat on it. Right, right, right. He learned that they were paying at one point a long time ago, eleven dollars yeah. a click for every Geico click through. And, and somehow he didn't put it together that that was a amazing business. So, um, it was an interesting discussion. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, the other one I think people were you know, sort of focused on was you know Wells Fargo just because he's the biggest holder and it has been embroiled in this you know scandal for the you know ten months now.
5: Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, he'd made a few comments here and there since then, but he'd largely held his tongue on Wells Fargo. And, and as you said, Berkshire owns almost ten percent of the stock. Um, it's by far the largest shareholder. And he talked um, about sort of two things, sort of the misguided incentives in Wells Fargo's pay structure that led to their sales practice scandal and also about how the CEO um, heard about the potential, the problems and didn't act immediately. And that was the the other issue. Now, the, he's talked about um, compensation and how it can, Skew your incentives in many other forums before, but it was sort of interesting to use this as a test case where people were paid to sell multiple products to the same customer. And he's saying that's that's rife for potential right. issues. Where if you already have someone on the books, you can just sort of like sneak in another account and no one's nosy. And then that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And then he also sort of applied it to so the 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 first question of the day was actually on this topic. And 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 the sort of the questioner wanted to ask. How do you know that's not happening somewhere at Berkshire right now? Um, and and uh, he said, I don't, I don't really know that. We have a massive company and someone somewhere is probably doing something wrong. But then he also outlined sort of what he does differently than Wells Fargo in that they have this hotline set up um, for anyone to call and make an anonymous complaint and and, and employees are encouraged to send him an anonymous or, or signed letters for him to act on if, if they see something wrong. Wells Fargo did have some sort of hotline like that, but they did not ha- – in yeah. the company, we've reported that the, the current CEO has has said that they did not act on those things appropriately. But, so obviously not only do you have to have that hotline, you have to be able to, to act correctly when you hear – get the, the call that something has gone wrong. Yeah.
4: The other one was corporate taxes. I mean obviously everyone's – you know investors got very excited yeah, yeah. about the idea of uh, corporate tax reform. Um yeah. Uh, Warren talked about that um, uh, you know, a bit on, on during the day.
5: Yeah, a little bit. What he said was that they had a slight preference in this just completed first quarter to sell a few things at a loss to take the tax advantage that you get from that now because they, they weren't uh, sure just how much of a tax advantage they might get a year from now. Um, for example. So I, I, I thought that was interesting. He essentially said that they were sort of factoring in ever so slight. I think that his phrase was a slight preference to doing that. They were factoring in the idea that there could, in fact, be tax reform. Mm-hmm.
2: So. And then uh, what about Berkshire's, Berkshire's dividend?
5: Right. Right. Now, it might be in the weeds for people who aren't Berkshire shareholders, right. but if you are a Berkshire shareholder, this is really interesting um, in that Buffett has always said that he was never, ever, ever going to pay a dividend at Berkshire because mm-hmm. he had better uses for Berkshire's cash. He's the world's foremost investor by some standards. And if, if, if you're going to give Warren Buffett some money, he's going to invest it. Right. He's not going to give it back to you. Right. So he, he's – but the thing is, they just released first quarter results. They have, nine, I think, it's $96 billion in cash and cash equivalents now. It's an all-time high. The, he's gotten. he's having trouble finding yeah. money to spend things, that, that things to
2: spend his money on. That, that. is a lot of money. It's yeah, a, yeah. By the way, we should point out. Yeah. That and, is um, an awful lot of money.
5: So so what What he said was that there, the time may come sometime soon, and this was not yet the news, until he said, even while I'm still alive, and then everyone went, what? That we might pay a dividend. and we, Wow. wow, he has never said that before. And he said, like, listen, three years from now, if we have $150 billion in cash sitting around, it would be irresponsible of me not to wow. really think about how I'm going to get that back So you if know,
2: you want to get back. in on that
5: now, what, what what's
2: the uh, going price right now for a share of Berkshire? Oh, you,
5: I, you know, it closed Friday at exactly $250,000 per Class A wow. share. So a
2: bargain to get a piece of
5: that. <laughs> There's Class B, too. There you can get the <laughs> a Class A little cheaper. A little cheaper, yeah. Little cheaper? yeah.
2: All right. Uh, is there anything else we should know about?
5: I uh, mean, those are the main ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we covered the poll. Yeah. Cherry Coca Cola. Yes, yes, we did. I, also,
4: um, I was just going to point out because we talked about healthcare in the first segment here, that Warren was asked about that and he weighed in. He didn't weigh in a great deal. But he did point out that under the, the what passed the House, that he, I think it was a seventeen percent uh, tax cut. Right, right. He personal highlighted tax for tax him personally. Personal right, right.
5: He not. highlighted what um, he felt was sort of uh, missed in in some of the discussion about the tax bill, which was the bill that just passed the House of Representatives. That if it had been effect, in effect for last year's tax year, he would have experienced a seventeen percent tax cut. Wow. Um, which you know he said Look, it's a tax tax cut for the wealthy. Um, um, but he also did also make the point that in, the healthcare does need reforming.
4: Oh yeah, you know? I mean he pointed out that like uh, you know just from a cost basis, that's the thing that's growing the fastest. Right.
5: People complain about corporate taxes, but for for, taxes for companies for corporations, the the thing that's eating them from the inside is actually the phrasing he used. The is is healthcare expenses is rising much much faster. Yeah. Wow. And and he called it the, the tapeworm. Of uh, corporate America, I yeah. believe, was this phrasing, which is actually recycling something you said over a brief previously about pensions and about inflation. But <laughs> a lot of tapeworms <laughs> out there. Exactly. All
2: right, Eric Holm. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. Hey, if you're really interested in uh, some in, some good uh, tips, watch our live. Watch, you know, go to our live blog at moneybeat.com. Read. What? I said read. Read, yes, read. See, we do podcasts, we do the blog, we do video. It's so hard to know what I... I read our live blog at moneybeat.com. The Irisone Conference going on all day Monday. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
3: Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.